welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Tuesday Not So Deep Dive episode on Chit Chat Money. This show is only available to CCM Plus subscribers. So if you are subscribed, thank you for listening and join us, joining us in the early days as we build out oh, the yeah. paywalled episodes. Today, we're joined by Brad Freeman and we're talking Xbox, which I think a lot of people know. Maybe some people don't know exactly what it is. Um, this was your choice or maybe the team choice this week. We kind of chose this one together. It's a subsidiary of Microsoft. I mean, what gets you excited about this business, Brad? Um, well, if I, I mean, I was growing up, I think addicted is the right word, to NCAA football and that video game. So just, I mean, the online dynasties with my brother, just hours and hours and hours and just time will never get back. But who cares? Because it was so much fun. And so I, I have owned Microsoft in the past several times, actually. Um, I, I kind of, the, the multiple has gotten a little ahead of itself in, in my opinion. Um, but that's just my opinion. And there are brilliant people who disagree with me and obviously own it. Um, but I mean, I've always admired the company and the leadership team, and it, it'll be interesting to dig into a specific subsidiary because there's so much going on under the hood that you kind of lose, um, sight of, of all the projects, all, all, all of the, all of the things they've got going on. So here we'll focus yeah. on one. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not the the biggest part of Microsoft's business, but I think after this episode, people can maybe understand what's driving the growth over there and their long-term strategy. So Ryan, why don't you introduce what Xbox does and the history of the business? Yeah. And I think we all already alluded to it, but it is just worth mentioning for anyone who does not know, this is not a publicly traded independent company. It is a part uh, it is basically, it is literally Microsoft's gaming division. And so uh, we have pieced together a lot of information. And, and I guess one of the benefits of doing a show like this is that we probably all use slightly different resources to get information on Xbox because you're not, it isn't, we're not necessarily reading all the same SEC filings. You can find stuff about them in Microsoft's SEC filings, but you kind of have to find alternative sources. And it's a bit light. They do not give any details. Right. But it's obviously a huge business if it were on its own. And so Xbox is Microsoft's gaming division, gaming division that focuses on delivering entertainment to consumers in a variety of ways. I do think, I mean, it's primarily just games specifically, but I do think they've done a movie or two based off some of their gaming intellectual property. So maybe there's some linear side to that as well, um, but mostly games. And so Xbox has a lot of its own studios and games. It, has obviously its own console, its own live services, and even a cloud gaming division. Um, there's probably elements of the business that I might be leaving out, but I'm going to go ahead and try. Basically, we refer to it as the Xbox Xbox ecosystem. So I'm going to highlight three of the services that are probably uh, the most pertinent or most relevant to Xbox's revenue. And so the first one is Xbox Game Pass. Game Pass is a $10 a month subscription that gives members access to hundreds of downloadable games. That includes both first-party games, so Microsoft's own studios, and third-party games. They've got some EA games in there as well. And if you pay for the Game Pass subscription, you get Xbox Live Gold, so you can play multiplayer, you can play with other accounts. As Brad mentioned with uh, NCAA football, that's kind of the 
it's super important to get Xbox Live. And if you're if you're a console player, it's hard to have Xbox without having Xbox Live because that's where the community aspect is, where you play with people that aren't in the same room as you. Um, and then Game Pass is also supported on other devices, so mobile devices, iPads, iPhones, and PCs. I think that's it. I I, I don't think I'm missing any there. Uh, it's the, a lot of their. St- they actually got their start. I'm going to talk about this in gaming in the PC world. So it, it, they, they still have a fairly sizable um, PC gaming division. Um, but the Xbox Series X is the most recent console. This is, and it's the X and S. So Xbox Series X has a disk drive or a disk port. The Xbox Series S does not. Um, and then in terms of technical specs, the Series X or Series S delivers games in 4K and gets up to 120 frames per second. Most of us probably don't really care. I'd probably throw myself in that camp. Just suffice to say, it's the newest version. It's the highest um, uh, technical capabilities from an Xbox. And then it costs $500 at a minimum. You can get bundles where you get like three months of Xbox Game Pass. You get a controller with it and different stuff like that. But often there is hardware that you have to buy tangentially. So maybe you have to buy a new Bluetooth controller. You have to buy a second controller. Um, maybe you buy the headsets, stuff like that. So there's other hardware in their hardware revenue, but um, predominantly the consoles. And that is the Series X and S. And then the first party games this is part. I find pretty interesting. So as I mentioned, it has several of its own studios and they're located all around the globe. Some of the studios include Alpha Dog Games, Bethesda Game Studios, which they acquired. Um, and then soon Activision Blizzard's various development studios. They have obviously tons. And so it's going to be quite the long list of studios that they own. And the studios are responsible for the development of tons of globally recognized and globally loved games. Some of them include Minecraft, which is literally the best-selling game of all time, Forza, Halo, which they acquired in 2000. They acquired yeah. the... Uh, it was the early, earliest acquisition. The studio, I think it was Bungie. I'll talk about that in the history here. Um, Age of Empires, pretty popular. Doom is kind of an older game, very popular. Fallout, and then if the Activision deal... Activision Blizzard deal closes. They also have Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, and a whole bunch of more titles. Um, I like to think about it similar to the iOS ecosystem because Xbox generates revenue in a lot of different ways. So they sell hardware, as I mentioned, they sell first-party games, they get a revenue share on the sale of third-party games and the sale of in-game purchases. So if you're Fortnite and you buy whatever the Fortnite Battle Pass is, $20 a month, Xbox collects their 30% take rate. They also generate subscription revenue from Game Pass. They also generate advertising revenue from the Xbox store. So that's why I say it has some parallels to the iOS ecosystem. I'm going to move on to history though. So Microsoft, as I mentioned, got its start in gaming well before they introduced the Xbox. Games were initially designed for the Windows operating system and their longest running game still in development is actually Flight Simulator. So I think that's been around, I want to say for like 30 years or something like that. So uh, that, that little, little fun fact, I guess. And then um, the, the name Xbox wasn't actually introduced until 2001 in response to Sony's success with the PlayStation. Apparently Microsoft saw the PlayStation two as a threat to its personal computer business because they wanted the personal computer to be sort of the centerpiece of, of the home. And the PlayStation was kind of branding itself as that. And so they said, all right, we need to get into gaming as well. And in 2001, they rolled out the original Xbox. It eventually sold over 24 million units. So 
decent success, but it was a big money loser for them. And then just before the launch, as I mentioned, they acquired the development studio Bungie, which was the maker of Halo for $3.6 billion. So a decent acquisition, decent wow. size acquisition, especially given that time. What was uh, it? 3.6 billion? Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. Halo about franchises. Hey, let me give a reference here. PlayStation 2 was wildly, was way more successful. It's the best-selling console of all time, although it might get dethroned by the Switch here soon. At 155 million sales. So way bigger than the Xbox. And we'll kind of talk about how PlayStation has been the leader, but maybe Xbox is potentially closing the gap over the last few years. And then a year after the launch of the original Xbox, they introduced Xbox Live. I didn't realize it was that early, but Xbox Live was sort of a game changer because it allowed people to connect their friends. I believe PlayStation followed it up with their own service shortly after. Um, And then the second version of the Xbox console was the Xbox 360. I would say this was much more successful, probably more widely viewed as a big success. They eventually sold 80 million copies and even they, they added something called the connect. If people remember it, don't this forget was, the connect. <laughs> this was meant to sort of uh, c- compare to the Wii, but it, it allowed you to play without having a remote. Yeah, uh, kind of it a, was bust. a flop. Yeah. It was, it was a bust. It was not a very good product. However, um, it, 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 I, I guess it, it they have the the runway to take big bets like this and, and fail on some. And so I think they learned what, what works and what doesn't. And then in 2013, the Xbox One was introduced. And this was, I guess you could call this the decade that was focused on live services. And so live offerings, that was sort of um, the focus and the differentiation between 2000 to 2010 and 2010 to 2020. And so uh, the following year, right after 2013, Microsoft bought Mojang, which was the studio behind Minecraft. Obviously, as I mentioned, best-selling video game video game of all time. And the Xbox One was really Microsoft's go-to console over the last decade, up until 2020, uh, when they re- when they released the Xbox Series X and S. As I mentioned, Series S is just a cheaper version of the X, with the only real difference being the lack of a disc port. Roughly a year later, so we're talking now this year, January of 2022, Microsoft announced his intention to buy Activision Blizzard for just under $70 billion, making it the largest gaming acquisition ever. And by a long shot, I think prior to that, the biggest deal was like, it was, I think it was their own acquisition of Bethesda, but the second one now is Take-Two's acquisition of Zynga. Um, the deal is still going through regulatory review. Uh, it looks like it's going to close. So we're, for a lot of, this episode, you're probably going to hear us talk about once Activision is kind of a part of the business. Exactly. And I have some charts for the written stuff that will be in the newsletter that combines the two companies' financials. Let me hit industry and competition. When we're doing these theme episodes, I think I'll just reiterate some of the stuff uh, you know we've talked about previously if you haven't listened to the other episodes. But the gaming industry as a whole is estimated to be about $178 billion worldwide. Now, if we look at consoles, which is Xbox's core segment right now, although we're kind of we can argue maybe that all these sort of gaming modes will be uh, not democratized, but maybe smoothed out and it all blends together once cloud gaming comes uh, down the line. But we'll see. Maybe that's a discussion question for later. But the console segment is a little bit smaller because mobile's the largest. Uh, console's only $37 billion. And the console industry has been very, very stable, but it hasn't grown much for the last 15 to 20 years. However, that could be due because right now the two big players, Xbox and PlayStation, are facing major supply chain issues still right now. It's been the last two years, ever since the X, the Series X and the S, and then the PlayStation Five have been released. They've had uh, supply chain issues 
with due to the inability to source semiconductors. So that demand might be higher than what they're actually supposed to be able to source right now. So the, the industry sales might be a bit misleading. So let's check back on that in a few years. And that also impacts you know game sales because if you can't get your hardware, you're not going to buy that game. So it really leads to a lot of sales being lost. I kind of wanted to say that because uh, let's just see what the console industry looks like in 2025. If I had to bet, the industry will be larger than it is today, but we'll see if it doesn't. And it's kind of the same level as we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years. Maybe it's really hit maturity and it's not in that growth phase yet, but we'll see. Then other industry note, I thought was very interesting, the cloud gaming market. And again, these third-party analysts are always... I mean, they're just throwing around numbers, but the cloud gaming market, from what I researched, there's a lot of people that expect it to grow at a 40% plus annual rate through the rest of this decade. So extremely fast growth and Xbox has been the clear leader here. So I think that's very exciting. We'll discuss that later. Now, if we look at competitors, everyone knows PlayStation. We talked about them already. I think they're the number one competitor and then there's really everyone else. So we have Nintendo who has their consoles, but are slightly different because they're more family focused and not really competing with the shooter games and stuff like that. Um, there's even Amazon who has Luna, the cloud gaming service. There's Google with Stadia, their cloud gaming service. There's EA, Electronic Arts and Game Publishing, Take-Two and Game Publishing, along with other publishers as well. Then there is Steam, which is game distribution through PCs that is also a competitor to Microsoft. If more people are using their PCs to game, Xbox won't be getting that take rate. And then lastly, we'll discuss this as well later, Meta slash Oculus with their VR gaming headsets. All right, Ryan, or excuse me, Brad, do you want to talk management and ownership? Well, ownership, we don't really have it here, but just the management, who's running Xbox? Yeah, so Phil Spencer is the CEO of gaming at Microsoft. Um, kind of ideally speaking, or not ideally speaking, but in an ideal way, he's been climbing the ladder since 2003. So I'd um, love to see the lengthy tenure there. And Tim Stewart, who's the CFO of Xbox, same thing. He's been there for two decades, um, climbing through multiple positions and, and multiple divisions. Um, and then obviously Microsoft as a whole, <clears throat> Satya Nadella and Amy Hood are arguably the strongest one-two punch of, of any leadership team in public markets. Um, and I say that with with the word, uh, with the emphasis being on the word arguably because there's several amazing leadership teams, but this is definitely one that's in that conversation. Um, in terms of overall ownership, uh, the, Phil Spencer and, and Tim Stewart own a very, very small piece of Microsoft. Um, I mean, so do Satya Nadella and Amy Hood uh, for that matter, but um, but yeah. Yeah, it's not much on the ownership side here. Ryan, you have some? I listened to a few interviews with Phil Spencer uh, just to kind of get a sense of like who he was and, and who's kind of the head of the Washington native. So company. shout yes. out Vancouver. Uh, there we go. He went to the university of Washington and he's been a four lifer at Microsoft. I believe that's been his entire corporate life. He's yeah. been at Microsoft. He said he joined when there was less than 5,000 employees today, there is 122,000 employees. So, and he said that Satya Nadella caught him gaming while they were on like a Zoom meeting one time. So yeah. he is an avid gamer. So I think that's a good sign that he's someone like he said that he if he, they find an interesting game or something like that, he'll play it. And I think it's just good that he's immersed within the industry. His LinkedIn page is, is very, very clean because I mean, Microsoft's yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, he's maybe the guy that doesn't even need to update that LinkedIn page. I think he <laughs> might have. I think he might have graduated out of that. But I'll hit valuation. This one's also interesting. Um, because we don't really have any multiples that we can give out because it's a subsidiary, but I do, I did a little work. This could, 
there's a lot of extrapolation here. So these are estimates. I just want to be clear. And we'll have some charts in the newsletter that will go along with this because there are a few numbers here. Um, but I combined Xbox and Activision Blizzard's revenue, assuming the daily goes through, and assuming they have an operating margin of 20% combined. Now, remember that Xbox sells their hardware at about break even or at a loss even. So I don't know if the combined margin is kind of hard to tell. Is it 15%, 20%? Is it going to be 30% when they add all this content on? Assuming they have an operating margin of 20%, they had revenue combined, let me get the number here, of $25 billion in uh, basically fiscal year 2022. If we assume they have a 20% margin, then the price of operating income of 20, so around the market average, the Xbox plus Activision Blizzard combined would have a market cap of $101 billion. Now, you might say that is extremely low and gut check, I think that feels too low for the combined company. So maybe their margin is higher or maybe the market, and I think that would probably be correct, would assign them a higher multiple. Um, but again, it, it, we're a little bit in the dark here. So I think we can maybe guesstimate. And I want to ask this question and save it for the end for us to, you know, kind of a good wrap up one. What multiple of operating income and maybe what margins do you think the company has? And what would you pay? Uh, what multiple would you pay for Xbox plus Activision Blizzard today? I think, you know, we can we can save it for the end uh, and see, see, because I think it could be a fun way. I can really indicate, is this business worth $100 billion to Microsoft? Or is it worth maybe <laughs> closer to 300, 400 billion? All right, Ryan, do you want to hit earnings um, or whatever we have here? Yeah, a lot more speculation, but they, they do break out sort of their gaming results and uh, Brett tied together some of the other results into that spreadsheet, which if you are a CCM plus subscriber, which means you are listening, you can go ahead, you can check that out within the, in the drive or in the newsletter. Uh, but Microsoft gaming revenue was $16.7 billion in 2022. That was up 6% year over year. And then 75% of that revenue comes from content and services with the remainder coming from hardware sales. So it is largely a services business. So that maybe, maybe my operating margin was too low. What do you guys think? Maybe it's high. Maybe it's closer to 30%. It's hard to, the reason I think it's hard to, so I would say the gross margins are probably fairly high. However, it's hard to say how much Microsoft is pouring into game development because they have the runway to true to spend true. so much. And yeah. so if they're spending tons and tons on game development, and then you also got to throw in like money they've spent to just acquire studios over and over. There's, I, I think there's a lot of R and D going on here. So yeah, we just don't know. I think 15 to 20% operating margins is maybe a fair, uh, sort of a fair ballpark, uh, at least on the Microsoft side. As for Activision, their most recent full year revenue was $8.8 billion. That's actually been declining a bit this year, um, but we wanted to kind of, we want nice round numbers. So together, the two businesses would be generating more than $25 billion in revenue. Since we don't have any profitability numbers on Xbox, we'll kind of have to take a guess at what the blended margins look like. For reference, Activision has 25% free cash flow margins over the last 12 months. So if we assume that together, the two businesses have 20% operating margins, which I think is is a fair estimate, but honestly, we we have no idea. That would mean five billion dollars in operating income, and that's how I got that hundred billion dollar market value. Uh, just doing five times twenty, right. and then uh, the as far as like qualitative uh, 
stuff at the Xbox Series S and Series X has sold about 16 million units so far. Um, and that's slightly below the PlayStation, but the PlayStation has uh, a larger player base. And then as of last reporting, which was January of 2022, when they announced the Activision deal, Game Pass had more than 25 million subscribers. Was that higher or lower than you guys expected? It was right around, right around where I thought. I don't know. Brad, did you have any? Uh, I didn't really have any expectations, uh, to be honest. 25 sounds about right. Um, yeah, 25 million. Yeah, I think their player base is around 100 million. So I think that makes sense, especially because this is still early stages. However, it, it was growing maybe quicker than I thought. It's growing pretty rapidly. If I saw some of those anecdotal, they only give the data whenever they want it. They hit a round number, but it seems like it's going very, very fast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, balance sheet and liquidity, Brad. I guess Microsoft, uh, the the infinite, the black, not the black hole, the sun, the the, the trillion yeah. dollar giant. Yeah. So maybe I'll add a little color on a, a margin profile uh, opinions, and then um, really briefly go through balance sheet because there's not sure. much to cover there. Um, but so I, I don't think, and I, no one's saying this is realistic, but I don't think it's realistic to to think that this gets to SaaS margins. But I do think that it can get a lot closer than it probably is now, especially. I mean, we're talking about all these cloud gaming systems and we'll talk about what they're doing to maybe um, eliminate the console, go- console going forward. But if they get rid of those hardware sales and those break-even sales, they're, they're going to be so much operating leverage in this business. And, and I think 15, 20% um, in that scenario um, could look somewhere closer to that 30% range, not, not at 30%, but where we see a CrowdStrike or, or these really asset light software companies in terms of operating margin and where they think they can go. Exactly. fair to say the financial profile for the Xbox as a whole should look like IO should look like Apple's services potential a little bit they're going to have a little bit more like I'm going to call it labor on the cat like because of the the game developers you know you have to have thousands and thousands of people building the games but I think similar but not I mean they don't have Google paying them 20 billion a year for for like you know a hundred percent margin so but it's still similar to the app store. Anyways, give give us, yeah, give us the number. Yeah. So here's my really sophisticated take on Xbox's access to capital and the balance sheet. So Microsoft has a lot of money. Uh, They have 105 billion in cash and short-term investments. Um, They've got 47 billion in debt and because they're a buyback machine and that's part of the way, that's partially how they finance it aside from their massive unparalleled cash position. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, in terms of resources, this, this company has as, as much as they could possibly need. Yeah. And the other thing I would add to that is, okay, Amazon has a gaming division. They don't have unlimited 
access to cap. Amazon's not going to throw all yeah, of their Yeah, it's like money. their 20th segment. I mean, they have the way more important things for their Including business. streaming, which is a massive cash burner and expensive for them right now, which which my Microsoft doesn't have a streaming service, do they? Or, or do they? No. Have yeah, okay. Until they buy Netflix. Until right. they buy Netflix, right? But, right. The, but Microsoft has shown that they they will give Xbox as much cash if it seems like to like it's going to be properly allocated yeah, as Phil, they want. Phil spent seventy billion dollars on them. Yeah, Phil Spencer said that they don't even need to approve at the board level acquisitions, except for you know like the Activision Blizzard deal, it, obviously, well, yeah, which is huge. Boards, but yeah, all right. Anecdotal evidence. I don't know. I think were we all Xbox players? I think the the quote unquote non the noob gamers like us maybe the sports gamers all play xbox yeah the uh the noob gamers like us play xbox but brad i don't know any anecdotal evidence for us yeah the one caveat um is that mlb the show is only on playstation and that was a really mm. fun game so also yeah. have a playstation i don't actually have a gaming console console now um i don't actually know if um, my future roommates will have one but um and i didn't have one in undergrad but all of my roommates had one and that's i mean that's how we spent our downtime playing FIFA yeah. or NHL are, are really old versions of NCAA football, which is thankfully coming back. Um, but like, but yeah, I mean, it was it was an emotional day when NCAA football was discontinued um, for from like me we'll and come my back. Brother. Don't worry, hey, you're just giving okay. out our EA uh, your our EA pitch. So right, right, right. <laughs> but I mean, that, I, that was uh, that was my favorite game, and and I'll probably buy an Xbox because that's coming back. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, Ryan. I played Xbox growing up. Um, I don't play it much anymore. It was kind of at my, at my parents' house. and uh, It's shared with the brothers, right? Yeah, yeah, I just kind of shared it. Um, and I, I guess some other anecdotal evidence. If you're going to buy Xbox Live, you might as well buy Game Pass. And you pretty much need Live, I would say, if you're going to be an actual gamer. Um, I would also add, if I was able to play Xbox directly from an app on my smart TV for ten or fifteen dollars a month, and all I needed was a Bluetooth connected controller, yeah, I and, would. Yeah, or if they just had like a USB thing that you needed to buy, like kind of like a Roku setup. Yeah, know? yeah. If if I could do it without needing a console for a moderate monthly subscription. I would do it. Yeah, I think all three of us are in the same boat where we used to, you know, as kids, we used to be gamers with our families. Uh, and then in college, you know, the dorm room life for whenever, how long we did that. But we're on that, we're on like that cohort where the friction is kind of too high to spend the $500 on the console right now. But maybe, and it really brings into the, the cloud gaming bull case, which we'll talk about later. Um, I think my anecdotal evidence is that if there was a console that came out besides a PlayStation or an Xbox, if I was going to buy one, it'd be really hard to convince me to not buy an Xbox or a PlayStation. I think that really shows well the switch. Well, the switch is its own beast, but yeah. I mean, if you're going to buy for the sports games, for the shooter games, for the fantasy games, you're probably, you know, you're going to buy an Xbox or a PlayStation. And if a competitor comes in, it's just so hard because of the capital intensity and the fact that PlayStation and Xbox sell them at a loss. So I, I really think that shows the moat that both Xbox and PlayStation has. And then anecdotally, I think cloud gaming has a chance to 10x the potential player base for these AAA games, which, you know, it, it could be a huge opportunity for Xbox. And they, you know, with Azure, with their balance sheet, they seem to have the best infrastructure set up to make that happen. All right. That probably leads into future growth opportunities for all of us. Brad, what, uh, what do you got for us? 
Yeah, mine's a little boring, but just doing more with subscriptions and, and, and trans, uh, translating more of their business from buying actual games to, to signing up for this Game Pass. And I think um, what you were just saying with our, our age cohort not really being ready to spend a lot of money on a, on a console, but maybe we will at some point, and I'm sure we will when we have kids, if that's still a thing. Um, if we want to have kids, that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying, but uh, we don't need to get too personal on this show. But essentially, <laughs> um, if, if you're charging 10 bucks a month for Game Pass instead of 80 bucks for this game and that game and that game, and I want all three of them, I mean, it's sort of similar. It's not the same thing, but it's sort of similar to that buy now, pay later mentality where you're just lowering um, the overall uh, purchase shock value. And, and so that raises conversion and lowers friction for purchasing and, and more people get involved. And, and I really think um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And we talked about it with uh, Ryan just talked about getting rid of the console and, and, and that would make him a lot more likely to play. And, and I think that's kind of getting at the same thing from a, a different angle. Yeah. And Xbox might not explicitly say it, but it gives them a lot more power if within the industry. Um, all right, Ryan, what do you have for us? Yeah. My future growth opportunity. I, I think the two, I think probably the most obvious one is that cloud gaming, which I know you're, I stole. Hey, I was so, first to first to the list, get to steal the best one. Uh, the second one. And I, what I would take is in-game advertising. So as I mentioned, Microsoft already generates a fair amount of advertising revenue within its gaming segment. But a lot of that is from the Xbox store. And so apparently Microsoft has been uh, exploring how to put ads into free to play games or doing that more. Now they already have, they're going to have, assuming the Activision deal closes, they're going to have a decent mobile advertising business with that act acquisition. Um, but there's still very few PC and console games that have available advertising inventory. If they are able to make it, um, let's say you're in Fortnite and there's a billboard. And you can throw a Chipotle yeah. ad on that billboard. This or you sounds depressing. This sounds depressing, but would make money. I mean, you think about the ways to do sort of interactive advertisements or promotions, even it might feel organic. So like that Travis, Travis Scott concert in Fortnite. If you can find a way to say like, all right, you pay us this sum, we will give you uh, some sort of immersive experience, yeah. some sort of interactive advertisement. I, I think that's really valuable inventory. Um, and it could also juice the average revenue per user of a Game Pass member without having to raise prices. And so um, it's kind of that Netflix strategy, which interestingly enough, Microsoft has already partnered with Netflix to help power their ad supported side. Microsoft is apparently a sleeping giant in the advertising space, more than $10 billion in ad revenue last year. Um, I And that's going to grow with Netflix for sure. So yeah, they've shown that they want to do this uh, or they've, it, there's been reports that they want to do this. Obviously there's probably going to be some pushback from gamers. hundred percent. Well, gamers play. are, they're fickle. So a hundred percent gamers would be upset with this, but but if Xbox is a Xbox is a monopoly and PlayStation monopoly, so if they do it, like I'm sorry, they're gonna play. They're gonna play through the same systems. Yeah, not every game has to do it. Games can right. make it available. Microsoft's games can make it available if they want. They're taking their own risk. And, yeah, and they might not do it with a Halo. They might do it with some of those lower ones on Game Pass that are maybe more niche, more indie games. Help or them even more of like a, a two tiered Game Pass subscription plan where mm. okay, it's twenty yeah. bucks a month for no ads, but eight bucks a month, and we'll show you a lot of ads and, and let them pick. Like streaming services are sort of starting to do. Yeah, literally, it does give literally the Netflix of gaming in that. Yeah, yeah, that would be exactly. Yeah, I mean, this word gets. Uh, we may overuse this word, but it gives them optionality for sure. Um, I'll hit mine, and it is cloud gaming. Now, 
this project is in beta right now and has only started rolling out to one smart TV manufacturer, which is, which is Samsung, and that is in select markets. Cloud ironic. gaming. What? Samsung. It's, I don't know. It's kind of ironic. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. A little bit. Yeah. You can play, though. I mean, you, you can already play on the iPad. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying for like, for the, the TV level gaming. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's rolled out yet. Yeah, it's it's in beta. It's not fully rolled out because they say it's in beta. So there's a little bit of confusion that I don't know what exactly how how far it is, but um, yeah, it doesn't really matter too much. If anyone is confused on what cloud gaming is, it is exactly what it sounds. So it's console slash PC level gaming uh, without the need for an associated computing device like a console. Um, and all the computing is done in the cloud, i.e. it's going to be powered by Microsoft Azure in Xbox's case. Why is this so important? It's because it has the potential, like we talked about, to greatly expand the total addressable market for these AAA-style games for, in Microsoft's case, Halo, Call of Duty, which they're going to own, and then in other cases, you know, Grand Theft Autos, uh, FIFA, all, you know, all the sports games, all the games that people play on console and PCs. If you don't have to spend $500 on a console anymore, which is a big hurdle, for, especially for an individual, I mean, I think a lot more people will be open to playing these style of games. I believe the estimate is that there's only 250 million console players worldwide, but there's closing in on 3 billion gamers, majority of them mobile. So, I mean, I don't think the math that works out exactly, but could 10x, you know, the potential player base, which I think is very exciting for someone like Xbox. All right. Highlights and lowlights, Brad, what do you like, dislike about this business? Yeah. So highlight, I mean, it's, it's, it's again, pretty boring and simple, but you get to lean on the, that pretty much endless supply of resources, the elite leadership and the brand of Microsoft. I mean, there's not much better stability than that. And then I guess that's just evidenced by the fact that all of their executives seem to be the product of 20 plus year tenures and they've stayed with the company their entire lives and, and are happy as clams. Um, but low light, um, which I, I think hopefully this doesn't step on other people's toes. Um, but I, I really did this, this really seems like the only low light to me, the only threat to their, um, to their domination right now. And that's, um, the VR movement and in Brett mentioned Oculus, which there will be, I mean, Samsung's releasing one. I'm sure Microsoft will release one at some point. Um, Apple's planning on it. There's going to be a ton of them, but if that takes a dent out of the core gaming businesses that Microsoft and, and, and Samsung and PlayStation or Sony, sorry, Samsung, I was, I was thinking, I was saying that's a weird coincidence and ironic. Oh, you thought it was Sony. Yeah. Hey, it's all right. Yeah. East Asian companies start with an yeah. S. <laughs> I, get, I get confused. Yeah. Hopefully that's not too insensitive. But that extremely cliche line of like past results don't guarantee future success. There is a transition coming. There is an evolution coming um, in this gaming space and how the how the pieces kind of move around and shake out. Um, I mean, betting on Microsoft is probably pretty safe and comfortable and and and, and you can do so confidently. But I mean, you can also do so with Apple and, and Meta and a lot of these other just blue chip, incredible companies that are pursuing the same space. So if the, the low light would be um, seeing how much market share and domination Microsoft has when we're not staring at screens, but maybe like we're wearing the gaming experience or something like that. Yeah. And there is still a lot of speculation on when that'll occur, if it'll occur. I mean, look, Amazon and Google's ambitions have totally flopped in this space. However, they're not spending as much as Meta, which is Facebook. Um, so we'll see. All right, Ryan, what do you like and dislike about yeah. this business? There, there are certainly lots to like. The console business itself is really sticky. I mean, most people I know picked one console system and stuck with it their entire life. 
Um, yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like Android Apple, but more. It's a bit like that, right? Yeah, yeah some people, like- may, some people maybe were agnostic or had both, like like Brad. Um, but most, I think most people I know kind of chose one and stuck with it. It's it's really hard to disrupt. You kind of have to build that massive installed base um, to kind of have that network effect, and then it's also tons of optionality in terms of uh, monetization. There's a lot of ways to make money once you have this massive platform. Um, so as I mentioned, I, I think it possesses pretty similar characteristics to the iOS ecosystem, which I think is a really wonderful business on its own right. Um, the second one feels like Xbox is kind of the front runner in the cloud gaming space right now that I think, although I don't really know the technical side of it, I have to imagine there's some benefit in working so closely with Azure um, and having that under the same umbrella. Uh, the second- Well, it's vertical integration, right? So it's not, I mean, so like another company has to go to AWS, go to Azure or someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess Xbox is kind of doing that, right? Yeah. So, I'm just in a sense. Yes. I have to imagine there's some synergies there. Uh, but then the, the, the other, they also have first party IP to build a compelling offering with. So it kind of, they are ahead of the game when it comes to building a subscription. Um, and then they also have an advertising business. And if that is really successful, that could allow them to underprice competitors. If there was some sort of competing cloud gaming service, they could underprice competitors and still generate competitive ARPU. So it really is kind of a lot of advantages for them in the cloud gaming side. Uh, Third one, Brad already mentioned this, financial backing, as well as actual commitment from the parent company. Um, Microsoft gives them endless resources low lights for me though the stickiness of the console business kind of goes both ways a lot of people use playstation and it's probably going to be pretty hard to get them to switch so um while xbox might be able to pick up the incremental user especially if they make it more accessible through cloud gaming uh i I think they're going to have a hard time converting playstation users the other part and i don't know how exactly this plays out but i think Bringing stuff exclusively to Xbox risks pissing off the gaming community. Yeah. Um, So PlayStation CEO, Jim Ryan recently said this, he said, Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers. I, it's kind of this weird like tough decision as to whether or not you bring this in-house and exclusive just to game pass or just to xbox it seems like it would be an advantage for xbox to do that but at the same time you are risking a large chunk of your player base i feel like the outcome here is going to be the regulators are going to have to tell them like you can't make call of duty exclusive yeah and and they can still make the game pass bundle compelling without having it be exclusive content. Yeah. All right. I'll hit my highlights. However, I think I just have the same as you guys. So I don't think there's much to add. I mean, I do like how Xbox in this new generation, they've had better market share versus PlayStation. Um, We'll have the chart or the table in the newsletter for the actual numbers there. But my low lights, the only one, let's see that I had the meta, the meta platforms one that Brad already discussed and then supply chain issues for the hardware. Right now, it's showing that the actual hardware selling is just tough and a really tough business. Now, 
On the flip side, Xbox is one of the only companies that can do this, and it's why they have a competitive advantage. I, I, you know, why no one really has any chance by making an equivalent console to compete with PlayStation or Xbox. They have to go like Meta is doing with Oculus and try to complete, you know, a whole new system. And then the other low light, uh, the console market has been stagnant for years um, from total revenue perspective. Now we could change this with the next gen devices over the next three years. We could change it with Game Pass. We could change that with eventually cloud, but the progress has been slow. So we'll see. I'm pretty optimistic that the console market or the cloud gaming market, if you want to include that within the console market, will be larger in 2030. And but it remains to be seen. It's been stagnant for a while. If, unless I'm mistaken, spending on the consoles, like like within the consoles, has increased. Uh, spending for the consoles has is pretty stagnant. So like the, nah. the actual publishing of the games. So like EA's revenue on consoles had has to have gone up over the last ten years. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know. Look at this chart. Console revenue has been pretty flat. Is that look at that blue? Hardware? That's referring to now. It would be it's global consumer spend on video games and on consoles. We have this chart here that we're looking at that you can have see in the newsletter. It's been fairly stagnant, and uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know what to say. Some companies have been doing better than others, but on the overall pie, it's been fairly stagnant, and it just concerns me a bit. I mean, it's been durable, but the growth hasn't really been there. Now let's move to bull case, Brad. What do you got for us? Why could Xbox be a much bigger, bigger business a few years from now? Because NCAA football is coming back. I mean, that that's, that really that's 60 bucks right there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. So, so they're good to go, obviously, but um, gaming outside of consoles, which, which very good point on the flatness, but gaming as a whole, the industry is a clear secular growth story and, and it has been for a very long time. And Microsoft really has been the most consistent performer um, to date, maybe Nintendo, I, I, I think you guys would, would want me to give them some love, but they, I mean, yeah. they've been a consistent performer too, uh, obviously, but the bull cases, honestly, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, I know that's very boring and, and, uh, but, but it, it really is the case. I mean, this is the model of, of consistent execution and success and, and just, uh, just keep doing it. All right, Ryan. Yeah. My bull case is that the console business, uh, that exists today remains steady at least until xbox cloud becomes usable enough that it drastically expands the player base so if gaming without a console becomes a big enough hit i could easily see a world in which game pass has north of 100 million subscribers it does not seem that far-fetched at all because if the game pass bundle or if the game pass subscription is really compelling more people are going to play it on their internet connected devices that aren't smart TVs too. So you're going to get better adoption from phone users, from iPad users. Um, and then obviously the pie is big within smart TVs um, and then PCs as well. So if you put hundred million subs and don't increase the price at all, which seems unlikely also, that's $12 billion a year in pure game subscription revenue. That to me, I think game pass is kind of the bull case here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my bull case is kind of similar. You know, you got the Activision merger, merger, explosive growth of Game Pass, and then cloud gaming, if that all takes off. I think you really see 10% top-line growth consolidated for the foreseeable future. Um, and the demand for future the, these next-gen con consoles is being understated right now because of the semiconductor issues. They'd be much, much higher, and we still can't 
Uh, they're still out of stock on Amazon from what I saw. So they're still seeing issues. They said 2023, it should clear up, but that is really you know making the revenue look worse than it should be. All right, any bear cases, it seems like besides VR, we kind of just came up with, it's hard to, it's, it's, it's a testament to the business that it was hard to find bear cases for all of us. But Brad, what do you have? Yeah, and I'm really reaching. Um, so that yeah, I'm kind of concocting a bear case that I don't I don't really think is going to affect them, but uh, I'll, I'll go with it anyway. Um, so we're seeing uh, rights to to sports content um, just going for ridiculous sums of money, and and maybe in the future, um, if if these leagues get uh, more bargaining power or whatever, then Microsoft has to pay more uh, to to keep having FIFA and NHL and MLB and and uh, and um, NCAA football again. Uh, but I mean, they have the money to pay for it, so I'm kind of like arguing against my own bear case. And that really is to point to how well run and, 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 and great this, this operation truly is. Um, I say is not even a shareholder of Microsoft. Yeah. Right, Ryan? It is a, a kind of power between the publishers versus the distribution platforms is sort of a difficult problem to solve. Uh, I think that's probably why they have such good relationships is because they both make good money benefit. Yeah. Um, the bear case for me I don't think there's like any world in which Xbox ceases to exist in 10 years. Um, I think the worst case scenario would be that 10 years from now, the gaming landscape looks a lot like it does today where player bases right now are really fragmented by device. And there's not like one place. There's not a clear one-stop shop for any kind of gamer game pass can be that. If, if they're able to tie in all the different devices and give people access to tons of games. But if, if it stays the way it is, Xbox has to spend across a bunch of different categories. I don't think they quite reap the same returns as they would if it was just one unified solution. So um, bear case is that it, it just doesn't change too much. Yeah. And I had the same sort of bear case. So I want to go into the fun question here, which is, Tying back to the beginning, assuming they have an operating margin of 20%, what multiple of earnings would you guys pay for Xbox and Activision Blizzard? And I think this can kind of combine with more or less interested because the higher the multiple, one, the one, easier we can tell you, oh, Ryan, you have something to add. One contingency or one question. Well, what balance sheet do they get? Uh, they get, yeah, it's, it's the same. It's the situation there. Yeah, unlimited, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's the same situation, but it's also saying that, you know, you could say their margins could expand in the future. So Brad on the spot, what yeah. multiple would you pay? I know this isn't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just no, it's, a fun exercise. It's an interesting question. And I know just 10 to 15% growth. So you think, okay, um, what would the peg ratio look like and put it around one or 1.1 1 .1 and, and go with that. But honestly, I do see so much operating leverage in this business because I do see it as such a high likelihood event that console, console sales go away and this zero margin business that they, that they have is replaced with, um, with, with lower friction, converting more users and creating more subscription-y and software-based revenue. So honestly, 25, 30 times operating income is not, I don't think ridiculous in, in this case, even for a 10% grower, because I do see such rapid margin expansion for this segment going forward. All right, Ryan. Okay. Well, I, uh, think, just, I think the balance sheet is important here because if they have if they have to run it off their own cash flow, they don't no, have they quite would. the structural advantage that they would with the financial backing of Microsoft. And like, nah, I mean, competitively, it's a different total, total, total kind of dynamics. But Activision degenerates three billion in cash a year. Would I you think. like? Yeah, but they wouldn't be able to have Activision independently. Well, what do you? 
Game Pass would be a worse offering. Uh, it would be like you wouldn't be able to get. I'm saying if you don't have the financial backing from a big parent company. I, I mean, that's their. I I assume they're a profitable business, so I don't really think that matters. Yeah, but you can't. They are not as strong competitively without it because sure, they can't. Sure. Enhance Game Pass. It's just, yeah. Well, look, look. We don't need Ryan. Ryan. No, we don't I mean, need that. We don't need the caveat. It's just it's a huge deal. I, yeah, but that and that just, is the difference between me willing to pay fifteen times earnings and me willing to pay thirty. Mm, all right. Well, what do you got? What do you? If they have twenty billion dollars in cash in the balance sheet, I'd pay more than twenty-five times earnings. Yeah, I'm going to be more optimistic than you guys. I would pay if the margins are twenty percent now. I honestly would wouldn't be mind paying 40 times earnings, 50 times earnings for this. I think it's that good of a business. It's one of the best in the world. Wish it would spin off. It's a shame. It's under Microsoft, to be honest. Um, all right. That's going to do it, I guess. I mean, we're all more interested, I'd say. It's kind of tough because it's not a stock. So Yeah. I mean, Xbox, Azure, AWS, Instagram, YouTube. I, I'd love to own all those businesses, but but they're under massive conglomerates. But more interested in if Xbox spun off, I'd, I'd go gaga over it. Yeah, and Ryan, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm more interested in, as Brad mentioned, when you think about all those businesses Brad just mentioned, they've all benefited. I, I, I think they're all much better businesses because they're under the big... Oh, for sure. YouTube and Instagram wouldn't be nearly where they would be today. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Next week, we have Capcom. And I believe when Brad comes back on, we'll be doing our housing segment and we'll be doing Zillow. So tease that a month from now. I believe that's what you chose. uh, But I could be be wrong. I think Uh, I did Zillow slash Redfin slash OpenTor and then we just picked one. Uh, But Zillow, Zillow sounds interesting. The uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital and clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. 